the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the second hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Great to be with you once again. Of course, our telephone number 303 696 1971. We will open up the phones again here in just a little bit. Of course, you can text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. You know, we are in. A current state of affairs in Colorado, and especially in Denver and the Denver metro area, where there are so many challenges that we're facing, from uh, crime and homelessness to drug use and an education system that is beyond struggling right now. And, of course, folks are concerned. People are very worried about their communities and safety and so much more, which is why it is valuable and important to have conversations with the candidates, as we like to do here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. And as part of our special discussions that we're having regarding Denver and the mayoral race, I'm pleased to welcome in our second candidate running for Denver mayor in our conversations with the candidates we have here on the program. Joining me in studio, Kwame Spearman, who is the owner of the Tattered Cover and, again, running for mayor. Good morning, sir. Welcome. Jimmy, thank you for having me on. It's good to have you here. I really appreciate you coming in and having a conversation, especially because I'm sure there are a lot of things where we may disagree on. There will be things where we agree on and a willingness to have that conversation is important. And I did hear you on with my colleague and friend, Stefan Tubbs on Monday. So I think uh, that was a very interesting conversation. We'll build off some things there. But before we get into some of the issues, who is Kwame Spearman and why are you running for mayor of Denver? Uh, great question. So I, I'm a proud Denver native. Uh, th- there is nothing better than waking up on a Saturday morning and driving and seeing the snow-capped mountains. I mean, that that is who I am. This is where I was raised, and it's why I want to be mayor of Denver. You know, more specifically, I went to Denver Public Schools, and so I share a lot of your concerns about the state of DPS right now. You know, unfortunately, the only losers are kids, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, in many instances, low-income kids. I left the city to go to college and law school and business school, so I racked up a a lot of debt, and so I needed a thriving economy to help pay that off. But most importantly, I spent the last 10 years doing business, and I've learned the X's and O's of how to run a business. And I think that's what the city needs right now. It needs a business leader, someone who has a strong vision, wants to recruit a top team, and can make really tough choices. Because if you can do those three things, Jimmy, what I've learned is you can do just about anything. And that more than any other reason is why I'm in this race, mm-hmm. is I think that now is a time and we've got to make tough decisions. And it doesn't always mean you're going to make everyone happy. It doesn't 
always mean it's going to feel good inside, but we've got to get Denver back on track. There, there are three big issues that I think everyone's talking about. I'm one of them. Um, crime, our unhoused situation, and obviously our local economy. And within each of those three areas, we've got to make some tough decisions moving forward because I think we can all agree that the state of the city is not where we want it to be right now. When you say it's not where we want it to be right now, what do you mean? To you, what is the current state of Denver? So when I go into a tattered cover and I see tents outside of that tattered cover, it absolutely like it, it destroys me, mm. right? Growing up in Denver, it didn't used to be like that. And it's problematic for two reasons. The first is there are people in those tents, some of whom the system is failing. And we have to do so much more and more efficiently and better than what we're doing to help those people get on a path to having homes or not living on the street. At the same time, I can also tell you that if those tents are outside of tattered cover, customers are afraid to come in. And that's just the simple truth. And if customers are afraid to come in to the tattered cover, we can't make the revenue that we need to pay our employees. And that puts our employees on a path to not being able to have housing themselves. And so to me, the tough decision is that we've got this problem. And there are a lot of reasons why we're in this problem. We can talk mm -hmm. about some of them today. But there hasn't been the will to help solve the program. Mm -hmm. And Oh, excuse me, to, to solve the problem. Right. And, and we need someone who can understand the consequences of not doing anything and can start enforcing mm -hmm. the laws that we have in place. You know, for example, Denver passed twice over the past decade laws saying you can't have a tent outside of the tattered cover. We're refusing to really embrace those laws. Mm -hmm. uh, we have not thought critically about where people need to go if they're in violation of those laws. And, and most importantly, we don't have great answers for people who are battling their own demons with drug use. And, and you put those three things together and, and, and you just start to see a city in decay and we've gotta get, we've gotta get back from that. Uh, let's talk about a word that you used. And I mentioned Stefan's show because he asked you about the term unhoused and why you're using that instead of homelessness. And I think it helps to frame a little bit of the discussion because I want to talk about housing for a moment. So why use the term unhoused instead of homeless? I think one of the big questions of this debate or of this race, and, and I think I'm really the only candidate having this question, is, is we've got to get to our core. There are two types of people. People, as I said before, who the system is failing. Mm -hmm. But they're also people who might be exploiting the system, right? And so the reason that I used unhoused is we're starting to get into that conversation of who on the streets is actively trying to get back into housing. Because we have to have more sympathy, more compassion, better innovation on sure. getting people who want to get back into housing. The catch, though, and this is the question we've got to start asking ourselves, are there people on the streets that doesn't matter how many micro housing units we can create, it doesn't matter what services we offer, they just like that lifestyle. And we as a city have to decide what we're going to do with that. And so that's why it's not just about being homeless. It's about being unhoused and the desire to get back into a housing situation or continue to live on the you know, streets. I, I think it is an important point because we see people who are living in encampments who and, and 
my mayor in Aurora, Mayor Mike Kaufman, um, he has talked about the difference in exactly what you're saying. And what he's noticed is when you see people in encampments, it, it tends to be the case that that is a lifestyle choice. That is something that they are choosing. And the impact of that, especially when you have these tents that get put up outside a tattered cover or other businesses and homes and in these communities is tremendously negative in terms of the economic implications, in terms of what's happening for public safety. And you don't want children to be seeing needles when they're walking into a store or walking into school, uh, use needles. So I think that's an important point. So then in terms of the, the, for example, the homeless sweeps, as they're called, and other actions of enforcing the law, how do you, would you approach that? What would you do differently from a policy standpoint, Kwame Spearman, than what's being done now? So, so here's, here's my three steps, okay? Step number one is you've got to enforce the laws, right? So you hear candidates saying things like, well, the sweeps aren't effective. Well, if you're talking to a business person, <laughs> the first thing a business person says is, well, let's find someone who can make the sweeps Effective. If they're ineffective, that doesn't mean we need to stop doing them. They're there. They're part of a program of what we're doing to get people off the streets. So step one, you've just got to enforce the laws. And once again, the laws are pretty clear. If you see a tent on the street, that tent should not be there. If you see someone putting together a fire to cook or use a barbecue pit on the side of the street, that's illegal. All of those things are absolutely illegal. So step one, you've got to enforce your laws. Step two, and this is the big step, you've got to now give people the choice to get the help they need, right? And and they're, one of the things that I hope we get a chance to talk about today is, is I view the services that the city and county of Denver offers right now as being inadequate. And, and the reason why they're inadequate is they don't have targeted populations. So I, I'm on the board of a group called Urban Peak. Urban Peak focuses on people who are 14 to 24 and who are and who are un, unhoused, homeless, we, however you want to put it. But they only target a specific segment and they have very clear procedures and points of view around that segment. This past week, I was able to tour, tour Step Denver. Similarly, they focus on men who are struggling with addiction. We need more organizations that have very clear mission statement, that have goals that the city can monitor to make sure they're doing their job and not just feeding into this culture of homelessness. So step two, you've got to give people the option to get help. Step three, though, is once again, we've got to make some tough choices because the hope is we enforce the laws. By enforcing the laws, everyone has the opportunity to get help. Everyone goes into the help. We feel good about that. But step three is where I think no one's willing to have the conversation is, is what do you do now? And, and I think there are, I think there are a few things, you know, you look at what Los Angeles is doing with the cares act. If you look at what New York is doing with involuntary holds, both of those cities are saying, Hey, we're going to enforce the laws. Our streets have to be clean for all of the reasons that you just said. If you are not willing to accommodate with this, the likelihood is that you are not in a state of mind in which you are making rational decisions. Therefore, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you in a situation in which you are required to get the help you need. And, and I think that's the that's the bulk of the conversation. And, and I do think it's something that unfortunately – Progressive candidates are definitely not willing to go to, Absolutely and I think not. even moderate candidates are not willing to go to enough. So you will take those actions if elected mayor. We have got to clean up 
our streets. In, in that regard, let's talk about crime, because obviously this ties in with crime in many respects, but we see violent crime, gang violence. We see things going on in and around schools in Denver public schools that are just absolutely tragic. A lack of disciplinary uh, measures taken in schools that are exacerbating this as well. We can look at auto thefts. I'm a three-time victim of auto theft myself in the Denver metro area. I mean, it is stunning to see how much has been going on as far as the increase in crime. How do you approach that, setting aside the, the homelessness issues we were talking about? I know it's really Related, but building upon that, um, do you add more law enforcement? Do you give them more tools? Do you work with the legislature to uh, undo some of what I would say are the handcuffs that have been placed on law enforcement? What do you do to address crime in Denver? So, so this is personal to me for, for two reasons. The first thing, and no one on the progressive side of the aisle wants to have this conversation. When there are crime spikes, do you know where the spikes are the highest? In black and brown communities. Right. Rising crime disproportionately affects people who are minority, people who are lower socioeconomic income. And so it's always mind boggling to me that the same people who say they're championing are people of color. The same people who say they're championing our low income residents allow for rising crime where it's disproportionately bad. It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And the second thing that happens when you have rising crime is it hurts our business. And if it hurts our business, we can't pay workers that we need to who guess what jimmy are disproportionately low income and people of color and so it absolutely boggles my mind that progressives are comfortable with rising crime specifically you are correct you know at, at tattered cover we've had five catalytic converters stolen from our main van on colfax wow. yeah. for the past 15 months it, it is absolutely real here's what we've got to do with crime okay Step one, it's going to be it's going to be a common <laughs> phrase that I say over the next you know, few minutes. We got to enforce the laws. There actually are laws at play right now, and we've got to give our police officers the empowerment to enforce those laws um, specifically. And, and you talked a little bit about the legislation. I've seen you've written on this, and, and I absolutely agree with you. The policies that we started bringing about in 2019, 2020, and 2021, the decriminalization of certain drugs, you know, lowering you know, from a felony to a misdemeanor, certain types of auto theft, that suite of policies have hurt Denver. You know, I understand, quite frankly, why we took a swing at trying to create those policies. I think the data was a little bit misguided. Some of the philosophy was misguided, but I understand why we tried. We wanted to continually make our city and our state better, but those policies have failed. Mm. So we've got to do what, what is called home rule in the city and county of Denver, which essentially means that we can start seriously questioning if we have to enforce some of the policies that the state has bestowed upon us. I want to go there. I want to be in a situation. I'm sorry. I, I just want to say when, when you're doing that, I mean, that certainly takes a lot of initiative, not just addressing Denver pressure, but also the state pressures that could come from uh, elected officials at that level, from the governor, the attorney general, potentially, that, that say you should be taking these steps that loosen a little bit of the criminal laws and or don't provide the tools and resources to the extent that police um, – should be should be getting up. So so how do you withstand that pull up pressure to, to do exactly what you're doing? Again, we're talking with Kwame Spearman, candidate for mayor of Denver. You've got to make tough choices. I, I think that 
you know, to be clear, I I am a Democrat, but first and foremost, I'm a Denver, I'm a Denverite and I'm a small business owner and I'm hoping to be the mayor of the city and you've got to do what's right for the city. The policies that we've seen, and we can go over each and every one of them have made Denver less safe. And I I think the data is pretty clear on that. You know, one of the things that I do respect about Governor Polis is he's a quantitatively driven person. And so when you look at the fact that we are number one in auto thefts, not number 50, not number number one, think of all of the other cities, the Seattle's, the Portland's, the San Francisco's, we are beating them right now. It's absolutely insane. And so we've got to make drastic decisions. I was part of a group of sort of concerned citizens who last year tried to criminalize possession of fentanyl. We didn't get it up to a felony. And I'm not fully confident that the state House and the state Senate are ready to go there. One of the things that has been troubling to me has been when we look at the policies that we're talking about that have been put into law in the legislature. Uh, A lot of folks have said this is what was going to happen, and it has happened as, as foretold. And it's one thing to try from the good of your heart to do something well-intentioned. It's another thing to actually follow the data and be quantitative in advance and look at what may or may not happen. So, it, it, But once those policies are in place, if, especially if you become, as you're vying for Kwame Spearman to be elected mayor, then, of course, then you have to make the changes and you have to advocate for those changes. You've got to make the changes. So. Step one, got to enforce the law. Step two, we have to think very seriously about home rule options right. that are in place. Yeah. Is there a step three, real quick? Th- th- those are the, those two, are the two, main ones. two biggest yeah. steps. All right, Kwame Spearman, we're going to take a break. We'll keep you over for a little bit longer on the other side here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. One of the candidates for Mary. At one point, I think it was a football team worth of candidates. It's dropped down <laughs> it's dropped a down little, little bit. Little just, like you know, 17 of us. You know, 17 reminds me of 2016. So it's just <laughs> interesting <laughs> when you think about it. All right, keep it right here. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Celebrating the three kings of the blues on this February 11th edition of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Bottom of the hour after 7 o'clock, News Talk 710 KNUS. B.B. King doing his tune, The Jungle. And doesn't it kind of seem like Denver's become a jungle in some respects in terms of the state of affairs and the decayed situation that we really are in the Denver metro area, not just Denver, but especially in Denver, where there are so many issues going on. That's why we are pleased to continue our conversations with the candidates and have a few more minutes with Kwame Spearman, who is running for mayor of Denver. You know, we talked about crime And homelessness. Uh, Kwame, one other thing that I think is so pressing for folks right now, especially in Denver and Denver public schools, is education and Denver public schools. Look, we have in Mayor Hancock, I don't think he's done it enough, but we've had situations and instances where he has been willing to say, DPS, you're doing wrong, you're screwing up, and to criticize the Board of Education. We've seen so much drama and dysfunction among members of the board and the situation in DPS. Educational outcomes are deteriorating. We have students that are facing so many personal issues that are just being exacerbated, I think, by a lack of discipline um, that has been going on in the schools and so forth. But two-part question for you, Kwame. Number one, 
are you willing to call out the Board of Education if you feel it's necessary? Uh, and number two, how do you assess the current state of Denver Public Schools? So I, I'll call out the DPS school board right now. They're dysfunctional. And the problem is that their dysfunction is hurting our kids. And that has to stop immediately. Um, it likely will. I, I would like to help influence it in the school board election in November. Um, but <laughs> our school board are acting like the children they're trying to help. And that's incredibly unfortunate. Um, why there's chaos? It, it, it's a lack of leadership. I think it's a lack of vision for the city right now. And I think that's where a strong mayor, particularly someone who's a product of Denver Public Schools like myself, could provide guidance on the topic. So where'd you go to high school? I went to East High School. Okay, excellent. So in terms of DPS, I mean, what what are you willing to stand for? What do you think needs to be changed in the schools that you would advocate for and push the board on beyond just the actually focus on educating kids? I think we've got to continue to go deeper with school choice. You know, 20 years ago, we said, let's lead the nation in charter. Let's lead the nation innovation. And I think that's done really well. If you look at our graduation rates, we've gone from 40 to 75%. Literacy rates have increased. And parents, parents who know their kids finally get to decide which schools their kids go to. I'm shocked that we've lost our way on that, and that somehow is a debate moving forward. We've got to quell that debate. We've got to give parents choice, and we've got to let our kids thrive. Kwame Spearman, candidate for mayor of Denver, joining us. Uh, let's talk about something I've written on in a few articles recently. The Fair Elections Fund, it is this program of matching funds where if you agree to participate as a candidate, whether it's mayor, city council, or other Denver races, particularly those that are in this cycle, so Denver city-specific races, then you are able to get a 9-to-1 match of up to $50 in donations, meaning you can turn $50 into $500. One of the things that I have noticed is the candidates who come in with significant political networks have been very successful at garnering donations and then garnering funds from the Fair Elections Fund. You are participating in the fund, although I don't believe that you have gotten any disbursements yet from the fund. What do you make of it at this point, especially when it's taxpayer dollars funding elections? You know, so th th this is where we may disagree Campaigns a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a proponent of the Fair Elections Fund conceptually. As someone who grew up here, you know, if you go back to the 2019 race, the limit was like $5,000. I don't know that many, $3,000, I'm sorry. I, I don't know that many people in my network who could write me a $3,000 check. And I'd be at a severe disadvantage and I'd be forced to go to the same sort of establishment interest that have gotten Denver where we are today. Now, I get to go to the people, right? I get to go to everyday Denver residents and say, hey, for what is probably three glasses of wine and a burger, you can help me become the next mayor and make a significant contribution to my campaign. Um, as far as the sales tax, you know, in Denver, we have a way of just passing a lot of sales taxes. And so this is one that I think is actually more productive because it gives people the opportunity to connect with residents and get resources from residents that they weren't able to do. I think it's fueling my campaign. We do need the disbursement. So if you're talking to the clerk's office, please give a note for that. But we were actually able to raise about $200,000 in three weeks through these $50 donations that were matched at a nine to one ratio. And trust me, I am not an establishment candidate. I'm just a small business owner. I know other small business owners. And they were able to support our campaign, which is a positive thing.
So uh, in this regard, though, I mean, you do see candidates who have, for example, there's one in Leslie Harrod who has spent over $20,000 on, on an attorney in part to go after a small citizens group advocating to clean up Denver and ended up getting them fined and so forth. And you look at some of these expenditures that are coming out and you wonder, OK, this is being paid for by taxpayer dollars allowed through the Fair Elections Fund. And also then you do see some of these. If you look at the candidates who have raised the most money and who have raised the most from the Fair Elections Fund, they are those that come with significant political networks from uh, the, having been in the Chamber of Commerce or in the legislature or these other sorts of positions. And then we end up with a slew of candidates who aren't getting nearly as much from that. And so I think, is, is it something you're at least open to reforming and changing? Um and if not getting rid of it altogether, we, we definitely need to audit expenditures. But but I want to be clear with you: if you put someone like a rep Herod in the mayor's office, this is just going to be a very small issue. <laughs> that type of a candidate will do this for the next four, eight, twelve years because they're not small business owners. They they don't understand how to be a frugal. They don't understand how to get the best bang of their buck and they're frivolous with cash. They've never been in a situation where they've had to balance a budget or make a business work. And so in many ways, if that's your concern with those types of candidates, then even more important that, that we do not let them become the next mayor of this city. But principally, I'm okay with empowering lower dollar donors to have a bigger say. We've got to audit this. My hunch is when you start looking at some of what the candidates are doing, they're going to be payments going to like consultants and whatnot that are probably negative and there should be consequences for those. But conceptually, I'm always in favor of empowering the voters. And and then one other question just on this point, because um, I appreciate you engaging on it. When we look at the Fair Elections Fund, you are essentially requiring voters who may not support a candidate to contribute to that candidate and potentially in significantly large numbers. Uh, what what do you say to folks who are like, well, I'd rather not have my money go to these people. Maybe I wanted my money to go to Kwame Spearman. And now because of the millions of dollars in taxpayer money that might go into different candidates' pockets cumulatively because of the Fair Elections Fund, I'm effectively supporting other candidates. You know, I, I think in a place like Denver, we are seeing that there are progressive interest that have been screaming loudly, particularly for the past five, six, seven years. And we've seen the consequences of that. Those progressive interests are able to raise money nationwide. They've got donor structures. You look at the eMERGE candidates that are in the race right now. They figured it out. To me, this levels the playing field. And so while there are definitely consequences around it, I think it's a positive thing that we're allowing everyday citizens to be able to make more impact with their donations to our campaign. And if you're listening and you like what I'm saying, especially if you live in Denver, you should go to KwameForDenver.com and help us out right now. And before we wrap up and give you another chance to uh, give your website address, just very briefly, is there another issue that we haven't gotten to that you think is especially important Want to take 30 seconds on? Uh, I think housing affordability is huge. And, and l let's talk about the type of housing. You know, you're going to hear candidates really focus on micro units and getting people off the street into housing. I think that's great. The housing I am supremely focused on is workforce housing, housing for our teachers, housing for our police officers, housing for our firefighters, housing for our 
booksellers. We've got to invest in those types of units for people to actually live in Denver. I think something like tw- like uh, 10% of Denver police live in the city and county of Denver. That's absolutely absurd for numerous reasons. It hurts with recruitment. It hurts with community relations. It mm-hmm. hurts with the perception of the police. If we are going to spend money on creating housing, disproportionate number of that housing needs to be to workforce housing. You find a Denver public school teacher that will ever not take an opportunity to live in the city, you can't find that. But I think if I go on the streets of Denver and I find people who are unhoused or homelessness, however you want to describe it, there are a significant, or at least there are some, who are not going to take that housing option. So we've got to refocus where we're thinking about housing, who gets it, and make sure that this city can have middle-class individuals moving forward. Kwame Spearman, you're running for mayor. You're a Democrat on a conservative talk radio station. What's your final pitch to the folks listening if they are in Denver? And once again, that website. You, you know, for this race, I think you need to listen a little bit more to what candidates are saying than their party affiliation. I'm just going to – I'm a very direct speaker. A Republican will not be the next mayor of Denver, period, end of story. Everyone knows that. And so once you realize that, taking time and energy to support someone as a Republican is probably not the best use. I think there are other candidates in the race, candidates who are more center left, candidates like me who are small business pragmatists, that – I think in many ways with where Denver needs to go right now, align very well with people who are listening to your show, with people like yourself. And I can be the next mayor of Denver. I'm a product of Denver. I think I can speak to moderates in Denver. And so that's where I think the conversation needs to go because we need someone who can make tough choices and really move the needle on issues like homelessness, crime, and housing affordability. Kwame Spearman, your website. One more time, sir. Kwame, K-W-A-M-E, for Denver.com. Excellent. Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Once again, Kwame Spearman running for mayor of Denver, joining us here in studio. We'll take a break. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971, our telephone number. You can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Keep it right here. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk, 710-KNUS. One of the great blues classics of all time, born under a bad sign by the late, great Albert King. It is Black History Month. We are paying tribute to the three kings of the blues here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. That's Albert King, Freddie King, and B.B. King. My thanks to Kwame Spearman for joining us in the last couple of segments. Very interesting conversation. What did you make of it? Here's a text coming in. And by the way, 303-696-1971, our telephone number. I was a Trump voter times two. Liked the policies, not the man. I have already donated to Kwame's campaign, knowing a Republican has no chance in this leftist-slash-progressive city. His last statement said it all, and is why I'll support him. Fingers crossed he won't be another chicken pooper or world tra- <laughs> world traveler like Hancock. Scott, the RN. I appreciate the call or the text. I appreciate calls, too, at 303-696-1971, and they are coming in. That is an interesting point. We had on Andy Rougeau last week. He is able to self-finance. He has raised the second largest amount of money 
after, I believe, Leslie Herod. I will double check that it is Herod, then Rougeau, who we again had on last week, and then Kelly Bruff, the former CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. But raising a lot of money means you can get your message across about the issues. But when you're a Republican, is it possible or impossible to become mayor of Denver? I don't know. Uh, I would tend to think it's it's a very steep climb, if not implausible. But I wouldn't count Rougeau out because of the issues that he's talking about and his ability to resonate on those issues with folks. But the text has a great point. It is very difficult to run a Republican. And you could say it's impossible in Denver, but they are nonpartisan races. So it's not going to say R next to his name. Does that make a difference? Kwame certainly hit on a lot of issues of importance to those of us who are conservative, who are concerned about the decaying state of Denver, crime, homelessness, encampments, and other issues. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. Let's go to Aaron in Denver. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing just uh, just fine, Jimmy. Uh, Kwame's right. I mean, if you ran for mayor or if I ran for mayor and I have the R branded on my forehead, I mean, It'd be it'd be tough to win. I mean, tough. Given tough the- or impossible, especially. Think about it this way: eventually, you will get a, into a runoff between two candidates in a couple of months after the election, down the line in the summer. Is it impossible for someone who it won't be an R by his name, but people can say, "Oh, he's the Republican"? Is it impossible for that person to win? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm look, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it, it's close to impossible. Because, I mean, uh, when, when, when Trump was running in 2016, you brought up with these 17 candidates. Many, many, uh, many laughed at him. But in the end, Trump got the last laugh. And that's what's important. But, you know, but, uh, but running for, for a mayor it, with, with an R branding on your forehead, I mean, that's like having the scarlet uh, letter uh, here in Denver, Colorado. Consider that the GOP is so dysfunctional well, in uh, the state but, of Colorado, too. Yeah, I, I, yes, absolutely. There is a branding problem with the Republicans. So then in that regard, Aaron, what did you make of Kwame Spearman? Well, you know, the thing is, though, I think he's a good, I think he's a good candidate, but i like to hear from the other, uh, I think the other 15 candidates, too. Are you going to uh, have them on your show, too? So, uh, well, we will have a few more, uh, I'm sure. The one other that I have scheduled as of now is former state senator Mike Johnston, who will be coming in studio on the 25th. And... I'm sure we will get a, a few more to come on as well. So that's uh, that's TBD, as they say, Aaron. But when we're talking about the race for mayor of Denver, I mean, it is refreshing to have a Democrat, isn't it, who's actually saying we need to enforce the law on homeless encampments. We need to bolster our police. And you know what? If the DPS board, the Denver Public Schools board, is dysfunctional, I'm going to call them out. Well, that, 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 that's nice, but as they say, talk is cheap. That's true. And the thing is, though, people voted for this dysfunction. So, you, it, it, as they say, elections have consequences, local, state, federal level. doesn't matter. You voted for this dysfunction. 
So now, as I said, you got to live. You got to get in bed with it and, and deal with the dysfunction that you voted for as a voter. There are con- elections have consequences. That's just what it is. You got you got you got you got to accept the monkey muck. So then, Aaron, one final question for you, and I appreciate your call this morning. So when we look at this race for mayor, yes, talk is cheap, but is voting for that talk what you want to do because at least the person is talking about it? Or do you diminish your standards more and maybe vote for somebody who's got a lot more money? I will say Kwame Spearman's fundraising numbers are not that great, certainly compared to at least what's publicly available right now, uh, compared to the, the heavy hitter candidates that I was talking about from like Herod and Bruff and Johnston um, that are that are dominating uh, and, and Rougeau as far as the money is concerned. Um, so, so, I mean, some of those candidates, though, you got to bring down your standards more arguably, uh, than you might for voting for a Kwame. I mean, I think at Denver you have an interesting calculus that's very different than any other city or election you might have. Yeah, well, the thing is, though, Jimmy, what do you think about this campaign, uh, 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 fair campaign fund? And does it have a budget? I'm sure it does. I oh, so, so you know what? There, there has been talk for a couple months already that they are on track to having to boost the amount of money. So they have already given well over a million dollars in taxpayer money okay. to this fund. I think a, a two or three million dollars, if I recall correctly. There may be a point at which they have no choice but to the city council, at least in their view, fund even more disbursements to the candidates in taxpayer dollars. Look, I think it is a boondoggle. I think it's a disaster. And I think it is horrible that somebody like a Leslie Herod running for mayor is able to spend over $20,000 on the Lincoln Project's attorney, Mario Nicholas, to go after Safe and Clean Denver, a small citizens group that is just trying to clean up the streets of Denver and represent small businesses using taxpayer dollars. Yep, basically, like, uh, and I have to agree with you, I mean, you know, the taxpayers are, 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 are subsidizing, but the taxpayers subsidize, I think, everything. So, you know, as a taxpayer that lives in Denver... I'm just basically just getting screwed, and you're yep. getting screwed. So yeah, we all. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, Aaron, anyway, I, I I appreciate the call, brother. Thank you. Morning, you as well. Great call from Aaron in Denver this morning. We'll never get another R in Colorado because we have all these Californians who have followed Jared here. Uh, I hope you're wrong. I just hope you're wrong. Possibly enough unaffiliated voters in Denver could bring about a Republican victory, especially if the message is clear, truthful, and the voters are sick of what's happening. I think the last governor election that elected Polis was due to the abortion issue, so we might be able to bring this mayor race off as a good thing for Republicans. We can only hope and pray and work hard to make it happen. Great text coming in. Congressman Ken Buck joins us in the next hour. Keep it right here the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.